we might have felt dismissed or neglected by our parents. And then it's very easy to dismiss and neglect ourselves. So really taking that first step and just evaluating how good is your relationship with yourself? This is episode number 531 with Bon Kohler, how to heal your relationship with yourself. Hi everybody, I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And if you want support on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And whether you're single or in a relationship, this book will inspire you to play a bigger game and succeed in all areas of your life. You can find it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And every week I share a tip from the book. This week's tip is step number two, create a life that energizes you and fills you up. So many people complain on the dating journey that they aren't finding the right partner and then they're just feeling really down and depressed and they're kind of waiting for that person to come and complete them, which is really not the right thing to do. So what I encourage you to do is to really focus on your life and the more you focus on filling your life up with the things that you love, with work that you love, with people that you love, the more you'll feel abundant. And when you're coming from a place of abundance, you attract much better partners. And so I challenge you this week that if you are in any part of your life lacking uh, inspiration, excitement, um, any kind of passion to, to just really focus on that and just start to really make your life more interesting so that you will not feel a lack when you don't have that partner. One last thing before I bring Dawn on is to give a shout out to my Facebook group. We are, I don't know, 3,600 women strong in there now. It's called Your Last First Date. And I have seven amazing monitors who keep this group safe and sane. Most groups for single women focus on just complaining and why is life so horrible and what's wrong with my dating life and there are no good men. And we don't allow that in this group. We focus on personal growth. We focus on, yes, sometimes things are hard. Well, let's talk about what we can do about it, not just complain about it because we're not into this whole victim thing. We are into self-growth. So if that appeals to you and you're not yet a member, Join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Dawn Kohler. She was an entrepreneur in the computer industry when she was abruptly summoned to take a life-altering course. And what followed was an extraordinary journey that gave her profound insights and a deep understanding of the human dynamic. Combining these insights and her personal experience, she wrote a memoir called The Messages, and she is a sought after executive coach. Her clients have included many of the most influential women in entertainment, as well as senior leaders at companies like Sony Pictures, NBC Universal, Lionsgate, DreamWorks, Fox, Snapchat, Disney, and Amazon. And I had her on my other podcast, the Woman of Value podcast, and I liked her so much, I invited her to come and join us here. So welcome again to Dawn. Thank you, Sandy. I appreciate it. It was such a fun interview last time, and I'm looking forward to today. 
Me too. Let's talk a little bit about our relationships with ourselves. How do we start to access it? Because so many people probably are just so disconnected. It's so true. And it's interesting when it, when we take a moment to do what we would in any relationship with another person, but really apply that to yourself and evaluate what's the state of that current relationship and, and do, uh, do an assessment. You know, how much quality time are you spending with yourself? How well do you listen to yourself, your needs, your feelings, your desires that are rising up and to your body and what your body's telling you? How do you treat yourself when you're hurt or when you have a setback or feel like you've failed at something or, or uh, at some time? And, and how well do you recognize your efforts, your successes, uh, the positive impact that you have on others? When you take the time to kind of ask those questions and, and really look at your relationship and what kind of grade would you give it? Uh, is it? Is it a D? Is it a C? Is it an A? I mean, how well are you really relating to yourself? When I first did this with my own relationship with myself, what the first thing I noticed was how often I was treating myself the way my parents treated me. And I think that a lot of people have that experience. We treat ourselves the way our parents treated us and sometimes that's a good thing because, you know, our parents treated us quite well. Oftentimes, though, either their own business or neglect or illness or whatever it was, we might have felt dismissed or neglected by our parents. And then it's very easy to dismiss and neglect ourselves. So really taking that first step and just evaluating how good is your relationship with yourself? Just to start asking those questions and really kind of begin to see the truth of how we treat ourselves. I would say most of us treat ourselves in ways we would never treat anybody else. Right. And it's such, so crucial to establishing that strong relationship with self. If you really want to have the last first date, we've got to treat ourselves in such a way because, it, because how we treat ourselves is often how we attract other people as well. And uh, just to your point, just shoring up that inner core having a stronger inner core is going to attract a different type of person. Right. So having a stronger inner core is really important. And um, so let's talk a little more about how our relationship with ourselves impacts the relationship that we have with others. Well, certainly um, if we don't have a very good relationship with ourselves, if we're really not aware of some needs. If we're not aware that our inner landscape and where things might come up, then what can happen is we have a hidden agenda. And the hidden agenda is hidden to us. And it's certainly hidden to whoever we're attracting, because we're really not aware or don't have enough of self-awareness to some of our unmet needs and particularly unmet childhood needs, which most of us have. They might creep up and they do if we're not really paying attention in, in situations or, or in previous relationships. But if we haven't really paid much attention to them and continue to dismiss them or push them down or uh, medicate them with all the different ways that we have of anesthetizing ourselves these days, they're going to stay. They're going to continue to be disruptive in our relationships. So understanding that uh, the more we become conscious of what's going on in our inner world, the less disruptive it will be in our relationships. One of the best books I've read on this, and you might be familiar with her, uh, Margaret Paul has a book called Inner Bonding. Mm -hmm. And I think she does a really good job of 
doing the work of, of, of really understanding the inner child and who what that inner child went through, what some of those needs are and how those needs present themselves in relationship. I had gone to one of her workshops once and she equates it, you know, she'd have two people, a couple stand up in the middle of the room and each one of them had a teddy bear behind their back. And that teddy bear represented their unmet childhood needs. And they didn't see the teddy bear and either did the partner. And usually the teddy bear doesn't come out to the forefront of the relationship or start driving behavior until you know we're into the second, third, fourth month, and then we're becoming vulnerable to that person. And once we become vulnerable, uh, we can slip into those childlike states or childlike needs because vulnerability does expose that part of ourselves. And um, that's when things can start to go awry a little bit because as those needs come up, our partner either meets those needs in a kind and loving way, and which hopefully allows us to meet those needs in a kind and loving way, or we start to get involved in a push-pull dynamic. Uh, them not wanting that and you pulling away when you feel rejected by it, and then dance starts to begin in subtle ways or not such subtle ways. So, you know, one needs to understand what the needs are of their little bear and pull it in front of them and talk to that part of you now before you're hiding it from your potential partner in the future. Mm, I like the, the hidden little bear behind the back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Margaret Paul was actually on my podcast. She is wonderful. She even wrote a forward to my new book. She's oh, just lovely. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, that's yeah. quite a statement for your new book. She uh, is one of the best out there as far as I'm concerned, because she really does a fantastic job incorporating all the aspects of ourself that we really get to need to know. She brings in the higher self, you know, that part of you that is wise, that is enduring, that, you know, kind of has the telescope on the future and is always trying to, to point us in the right direction. And then the adult self that we are today, and then the child self and some of the benefits and natural gifts of that child and as well as their wounds. By connecting those three parts of self, understanding them, uh, nurturing them, we really become whole within ourselves. And again, uh, one of the main ways you strengthen that inner core is to have those have great relationships between those three aspects of self. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of hers. She does a yeah. great job. Love her workshops, love her books. Mm, I love her too. And, and it is such important work. I think so many of us are not aware that the part of us that's responding to something is that inner child or the wounded self that got wounded so many years ago. And it's, you know, that reactivity that we have to something. And it's like, wait, where did that come from? I don't even know. And once you start to shine a light on, oh, that's, you know, 10-year-old me or five-year-old me. I mean, I have clients who were hurt so badly in childhood and they still struggle with trust and think that people are going to abandon them. And it's all connected to the past. But, you know, we don't want to also just continue to blame our parents for the way we turned out, right? We want to be able to move on. So do you have any advice for how to stop doing the blame game? It doesn't benefit anybody to blame them. 
you know, our parents were responsible to a certain point, but the thoughts that we're carrying forward, we're choosing to carry them forward. So at the point that, you know, we reach adulthood, it's important to get the accountability where it belongs. You know, if you were neglected, if you were abused, if you had trauma, it wasn't your fault. It was their fault. They were in charge of caring for you in a way that supported you to a healthy state. If that didn't happen, yes, they're accountable for that. But now damage done, it's yours, falls in your court. So at this point where we hold them accountable and don't blame ourselves as if I deserved to be treated that way, we can, once we take that up, okay, we didn't deserve it, but here's what it did to me. And the here's what it did to me, we have to take ownership for that because nobody else can heal what it did to them except for you. And uh, trying to blame, trying to get apologies, trying to do all of that uh, at a certain point uh, is never going to scratch the right itch anyway. It's really about now your relationship with yourself. How are you tending to the wounds of the past? Uh, are you supporting yourself? Are you nurturing yourself? Are you judging yourself? Are you highly critical? Are you anesthetizing? Are you dismissing? What's happening now is what you are doing with you. The past is set a pattern perhaps, but if we're still doing it today, we're the ones carrying on the pattern. Yeah. And I think it's great that you made the distinction between our responsibility for how we turned out. That's not it's not blaming the parents, it's not blaming ourselves, but it is taking responsibility for healing and moving forward because we can't change the past, but we can change the present and the future. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, you know, at this point, it's being responsible for the impact on others. As you know, I come from pretty traumatic abuse and trust has been an issue for me in relationships. And because it's an issue, I have a tendency to do a push-pull dynamic. And as much as I want somebody close, in those points of vulnerability, I can get scared and then push away. And that can be rejecting to the other person. So now I've got to look at, okay, I've got a survival behavior that's going on to protect me, but now it's having a, never, a negative impact on somebody else. So I have to be accountable for that. I've got to do my healing. So if somebody comes into my world that really cares and loves me and with good intentions, I'm not rejecting them because of something that happened to me 30 years ago, because that's, again, that, that's perpetrating rejection and pain. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. If you can go into a little more detail about some of those reactivity, you know, some of the ways we can be reactive, some of the ways we can take out our past on the person in front of us, that would be really helpful. Well, again, if we don't know and we are unconscious of our survival strategies, 
and we get ourselves in vulnerable positions, which we typically do in relationships because of the level of intimacy. And then we have intimacy fears. And I wanna make a correction to the intimacy fears because when I first heard that statement, I thought, wait a minute, I'm not afraid to be intimate with somebody. Intimacy fears are what you fear is going to happen after you're intimate with somebody. It's not that you're afraid to take off your clothes or to make love with somebody. It's not that at all. It's, it pops up two, three days or weeks or a month later when you like, oh my goodness, I was very vulnerable. Now what's going to happen? And that's when the behavior starts to, to come in. And oftentimes on a, on a very unconscious level, you know, our inner protector comes in and starts judging the other person and why all the reasons they're not good enough for us when they could be very, you know, a very good person. Uh, but we're trying to keep ourselves safe because we don't trust what's going to happen after we've been intimate. So that's one of the, the, the um, what's one of the issues that, that does come up in relationships if we, again, are just not aware of, of how we have chosen to survive to this level uh, if we were in painful relationships as a child with a parent. The other thing that I think we need to be aware of to the point that we said earlier is the inner bear, you know, our, our little bear that we might be hiding. And we might in many cases be hiding it from ourselves. Kind of an example of that is the rescue fantasy. And, and so many of our Disney movies are filled with them. So we've almost romanticized the idea of finding the person, the prince or the princess that is going to make us finally feel safe and finally feel happy. And they're going to love us the way that we've always wanted to be loved. And of course we want that. Uh, but that's really a high expectation to put on another person that also has a history and also has a past. And uh, if they are in fact somebody that is looking to rescue you, then they've got their own issues. Both people often need to rescue themselves first before they can rescue somebody else or be rescued by somebody. And in that case, those people tend to find each other and those are the relationships that can, can uh, become particularly abusive, although not intended to be. Uh, it's just failure of expectations that are often hidden to each party in the relationship. Yeah, the push me, pull you. Um, <laughs> I like to call it's like that Dr. Doolittle push me, pull you animal that they had. It's uh, the more somebody pushes forward, the more the other person recedes. And then that person starts to recede and the other person now becomes less interested and then it comes back and forth. And it's like nobody ever meets each other where they are because somebody's always was is receding and somebody's always anxious about it and that that anxious avoidant pairing is is really terrible uh, and it's but so, that so common too very common it's probably the most common and uh you know there was somebody in my facebook group who was recently writing about a man that she met who out of all the people she was dating, she liked him the most and he communicated the least. And I said, hmm, <laughs> I started asking her some questions about her past. And she was like, yep, I tend to be an avoidant. I think he is an avoidant. And I am attracted to people who don't feel needy. And that's generally what we th think is, okay, this person isn't needy. They're not really clinging to me. So that feels better. But that person is also not really available because they're not 
they're not coming forth and they're not being, you know, really connected and intimate. You can't protect and connect at the same time. No. And so if we are protecting through an avoidance strategy, or even if we're trying to cling uh, to somebody so that we can feel safe, you know, we feel safe when we feel very connected and we find those people that feel safe when they're on their own (laughs) and that's the dance, but either strategy uh, is not successful because, um, you know, clinging to somebody for our feeling of survival or self-worth or love is too much to ask from another human being. Mm-hmm. The source of our love is our own. And I remember the day that that occurred to me, that epiphany came and it was after I was in a relationship and the person left and I was just devastated. It was a deep connection. It was a very codependent. And I was just back to being a abandoned five-year-old. And I remember after a night of sobbing and sobbing till my sheets were wet, I looked out and the sun was coming up and the sky was turning kind of pink and blue. And this knowing came to me that love is not something you receive from others, but it's what you have for them. And it was so liberating to recognize that love was my own experience, that as long as I loved, I had love. And that alone allowed me to change the course of my relationship trajectory because I had a source inside of me. I had that resource inside of me. It wasn't going to be dependent on a partner. That's a huge epiphany. I think so many people wait for somebody to complete them, to, you know, that we just have so many destructive myths about love being unconditional. It's all you need. It's, you know, and what we don't really realize is the abundance of love we have within and that we uh, already have the capacity to love and be loved. And right, it's, and in so many different ways, it's not just about romantic love. And even understanding what love means, uh, to your point, it's not just romantic love, but sometimes love is letting that person go because it's the most loving thing you can do mm-hmm. for yourself and for them. Uh, sometimes, you know, love can just mean so many things. And, and I often ask myself or will tell my own clients, uh, what's, what's the most loving thing you can do in this situation and really challenge yourself. Because it isn't always, well, I should hold them or nurture them. It might not be. It might be to stop enabling them. Yeah. And that's true for our children as well. Like the most loving thing we can do is have them make mistakes, fall down, figure it out on their own, not do it for them, not fix their grades when they don't do well and go in and talk to the teacher. You know, the the earlier that we can encourage people to do things for themselves, that's really how self-worth is built, which we don't really realize, I think, for a long time that our self-worth is built on on the things that we feel capable of. And a healthy relationship is two interdependent people, not two dependent people. Right. And I think it's such an important point because unless we have a really a good relationship with ourselves, 
what we're trying to do is control everybody else to manage our inner world. Like, oh, well, if my child does well, and if my child performs to this level, it will mean that I'm okay, that I did a good job as a parent. Or if my partner loves me in this way, it means that I'm lovable. And so all of this calming of the inner world is dependent on actions of people outside of us. And that is a very painful way to go through life. It creates uh, behavior that is very controlling of others. So it's certainly not beneficial to them. And it's certainly not beneficial to who we are, nor will it ever really solve the issues that are causing the controlling behavior in the first place. We've got to build that stronger relationship with ourselves, trust ourselves and our, you know, our barometer of self-worth needs to be an internal experience, not when dependent on somebody external to us or an accomplishment external to us. Yeah. I mean, that's so pivotal what you just shared. And it's such a hard thing in today's day and age with social media and people depending on people liking them and noticing them. And oh my God, there's so much external validation that is so common. And to really take away your focus from the external and go to the internal and fill your yourself, your inner bonding. Mm -hmm. And it is just so crucial and so hard to do today. So if you can share some steps to have a better relationship. I mean, you've kind of been sharing all along, but if you can kind of outline some of those steps, that would be great. Well, first I would say, you know, start by being your own best friend. Really say, I'm going to be my own best friend for a while here. And instead of running off to please or take care of all the other things in my world, just stop for a minute and make that declaration. Then I would, I would pick up a journal and start communicating with yourself on a regular basis. I mean, a morning check-in. How are you doing? How are you feeling? And for some people, this is foreign. They've really never done it before. I had one client that I asked her to do this because she had uh, tremendous issues with self-worth. And it was too painful for her to even have recognize herself in a journal, to even write something in a journal. She couldn't do it. And that's a you know very damaged relationship with self. So she had to desensitize herself to the fear she felt by even picking up that journal until she could start to do it. But it's one of the most loving things you can do for yourself is just to sit down and say, how are you doing today? Uh, what do you want me to know today? Um, what can I do to support you today? And perhaps for the first week or two or three, nothing will come out because that part of yourself isn't used to you listening. So why should it trust that you're listening now? It is consistency, it's repetition, it is showing up for yourself on a regular basis, just like you would a young child who was hurt until that part of you says, wow, she keeps coming back. Maybe I can tiptoe into this, maybe I can trust her. Uh, if you do sense that there's a real disconnect from your past or from your childhood self, I'd take a picture of yourself when you were somewhere between five and 10, put it up or put it in your journal so that you have a conversation with her. How are you feeling? You know, what impacted you? Uh, what do you love to do? How can I bring you joy? What brought you joy then? Uh, am, I, am I experiencing joy now? And, and how can I nurture that? Because that childhood self is truly where we find our joy. 
when we're doing something that we're tapping into being very present and, and you know, touching uh, that place of where we're loving somebody else or loving ourselves or loving nature or loving riding our bike or swimming in the ocean, that's just joy. So I would say connect with that. The other thing that I often give my clients, especially if I if there's a self-esteem issue, and it's so powerful, is an exercise I call recognition moments. And recognition moments is I will have them at the end of their work day, write down three things that they did well. And it can be anything. It, it can be something they accomplished at work. It can be that they called their mother. It can be that they walked the dog and the benefit to the dog from walking it. Um, it can be that they, you know, finished the project or that they had a great meeting with one of their direct reports, whatever it is, just take, take, you know, three minutes at the end of the day, five minutes at the end of the day to recognize three things. And I can visually see a shift in people and my clients when they've done this for two to three weeks in a row, there is, uh, again, strengthening your core oftentimes we're not recognizing anything about us. You know, we'll get to the, we'll be very busy into the week, month, quarter. We'll go, God, I've been busy, but I have no idea what I've done. And I'm feeling pretty lost. And that's often because we just didn't take the time to say, you know, put the gas back in the tank. Look at what I've accomplished this week. Look what I accomplished today. Look at the positive impact that I have today. And that really goes a long way in that self-recognition it's also fascinating to me how often when people do this, they no longer have the same complaint that my boss doesn't recognize me. My husband doesn't recognize me enough. My mother doesn't call enough or whatever it is because it's less dependent on these outside folks. You're recognizing you and that's what you need. So that would be the other thing. And then um, two others, I would say, pay attention to your self-talk. It's so crucial. You know, if our inner critic is getting the best of us, it's really hard to feel positive about ourselves if we are continually putting ourselves down or not being enough. Uh, the comparative approach is just a terrible way to go through life. Compa well, they have some more likes than mm -hmm. I do. Or look at how much fun they're having in all their Facebook posts. You know, uh, you never know what's going on behind those Facebook posts. It's, it's often not as pretty as what we're putting up there. So the comparative approach is just... I, I would absolutely eliminate that and pay attention to your self-talk. And then uh, lastly, you know, I'm sure we talk about this in, in, in couples counseling and things like that. Take yourself out on a date once a week and make it that time for you. And, and the date can be, I'm, I'm going to take the next hour and pick up a book or go to the bookstore or get some tea or walk into the park or the, but make a, a conscious intention that this is a date with yourself. You're going to go take yourself out and talk to you and, and do something that you truly enjoy. Uh, not what the kids do or, or the spouse does, just what you truly love. Make a date of it. Wow. Great, great tips. I so much is going on in my brain as you're talking. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I, I took a course called Positive Intelligence, and it's really about banishing the, the negative self-talk and, and tapping into your higher self, your sage self. Mm -hmm. And one of the exercises was taking a photo of yourself at a young age and talking to that 
that child because that child often did not get the love that they needed. And just being able to to talk to her and to nurture her and to reparent her and to do all those those things that we just neglected and we didn't even realize that we're missing for so much of our life or that we could give it back to that part of ourselves. But the self-talk, the critical self, the um, the three things that you did well, we forget to celebrate. We just focus on that negative bias. That's where our brain goes for everything. And just to have people focusing on what was good, what are you grateful for? What are you celebrating today? What did you do well? I do this in my coaching prep form. I have people fill out whether they did the homework or not, what they're what they're celebrating is part of it and what challenges, where they might have been hard on themselves and what challenges they're bringing to coaching for the session so that they're prepared, both thinking through what did I do well, what am I still struggling with and what can I do better? And so if we don't add that, what did I do well? We're just looking at what's wrong with me. And, and really understanding um, how you need to be soothed. I think that's so important because we we set people up. We don't share how we need to be soothed and we leave it up to them <laughs> to figure it out. And that's a hard one. You know, that that's a real hard one because if they don't naturally soothe us the way we need to be soothed, then they failed in our eyes. But if, you know, we're trying to make it work or it just starts the kind of downward spiral. So knowing how you need to be soothed and communicating that to the person you're dating. And I would say, you know, fairly early on in the relationship because uh, it helps, just the communication is important. I think we think of vulnerability as sexual vulnerability, but vulnerability is really when you're sharing your truth uh, and sharing your truth early on will help create a truthful relationship it will also vet out early on the people that are not capable of having truthful dialogue. So, so important. I, I encourage people to do that from the very first connection. You know, just if you're going to be setting up a phone call or you're tired of texting on a dating app, you have to let people know how you like to communicate. You have to be really clear because people just get so upset. Like this person is just texting me and not setting up another date. Well, have you communicated what you need? And, you know, that's at the beginning um, that you, if you enjoy having a man plan a date, let him know. I really plan everything all the time. I run my own business and I'm exhausted. I would love it if you could plan something, you know, just reinforcing the things you want communicating it and seeing if that person can actually come through for you is, is so crucial. And then as you go into the relationship and you get more vulnerable and you talked about self-soothing and soothing your, having them soothe you, I've had clients who were very anxious, who needed to be soothed in a certain way. And they were able to, for the first time, communicate, hey, when I'm feeling really anxious, this is what would really help me. Mm -hmm. And the right partner is going to do it. The wrong partner is not going to do it. And that's really important information to have very, very early on. 
Yep. Yeah, so, we talked about choice points. There's a great <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a choice point right there. If they are not willing to soothe you in the way that you need to be soothed versus the way they need to be soothed, really double uh, consider that whether you yeah. want to in that relationship. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, people give you information early on, and the more honest you're communicating the more, the quicker you're going to find all this stuff out, which is so different from the way most people date, which is, oh my God, I was blindsided. I didn't see any red flags. And then all of a sudden it ended. Well, things don't just happen like mm -hmm. that. If you really looked back, you would see little signs that you pushed under the rug that you didn't want to see and that you did not address. And the quicker we address these things, the better our relationships are. So Dawn, what are your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date? I would certainly evaluate your relationship with yourself first. And if your evaluation is that you're in a good relationship with yourself, date away because uh, you will find the person that reflects that good relationship with yourself. And chances are uh, that will come along rather quickly and you will have your last first date. Couldn't agree more. Well, this has just been wonderful. A very different conversation from the one we had in the Woman of Value podcast, Dawn. <laughs> very different. <laughs> yes, but really valuable, which I knew it would be. So Dawn, tell our audience how they can get in touch with you. Great. Uh, you can reach me through Dawn at dawnkohler.com. That's D-A-W-N at Dawn, D-A-W-N-K-O-H-L-E-R.com. Uh, so email me, go to my website. I do have a couple workshops that I give on a quarterly basis and you can sign up for those. Send me a note. I'd love for you to pick up the book, the messages. It, uh, was all about, uh, relationship with myself and with others and how it reflected the different parts of me that then gave me an opportunity to deal with those parts and heal those parts. So even if you're not in a great relationship right now, there's a lot that can be learned so that we can attract better relationships in the future. Yes, your relationship with yourself is the most important relationship you will have because from there, all other relationships stem. And right. so this yep. conversation is just so valuable. And I, I'm sure our audience will agree with me that you have so much wisdom to share and they should go buy your book. And thank you again. <laughs> I would love that. Go to Amazon. The message is by John Kohler. <laughs> go please. get the book. <laughs> and if you love our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps our show continue to grow and reach more people. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.